Hello and welcome to another episode of The Candid Fitness, a podcast where I share my learning through personal stories and also invite guests to talk about their stories or share their expertise on all things fitness which includes physical health, nutrition, workouts, mental health, self-discipline and much more. In this episode I chat with Callum Wilson who is a pre and post natal training specialist with more than a decade worth of experience guiding women throughout their pregnancy and beyond. He is the co-owner of Bump Health in Sydney and a highly respected leader within the industry. Callum is also an educator who has successfully trained over 3000 personal trainers teaching his Fitness Australia accredited course called A Comprehensive Guide to Exercising Throughout Pregnancy and Beyond. In this candid conversation we discuss the importance of exercise during pregnancy and the role it plays in postnatal recovery. We discuss in detail about the exercise considerations for each trimester and the post-pregnancy recovery process. It's an information-packed episode thanks to Callum's depth of knowledge, so make sure you listen until the end. I hope this conversation would be as valuable for you as it was for me. If you enjoy this, please leave us a five-star review on iTunes. This is our last episode of 2020, so I wish you a happy new year and a wonderful 2021. Now without further delay, come join us and enjoy this candid conversation. Welcome back everyone. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, I have Callum Wilson with us today. Callum, welcome and thank you so much for joining us. How are you doing? Yeah, thanks for having me. I uh, appreciate the the time out of your day to have a little chat. Um and it's good to kind of yeah, spread some knowledge across the world over the global scale. Thanks a lot <laughs> for that. So you've been providing pre and post natal training for almost a decade now, probably more, right? So what sparked your interest in uh, this field because now it's sort of popular but i'm i'm guessing that a decade back it wasn't as popular so what was the uh, motivation behind doing this good question and i i to be honest i get this asked a lot because obviously i'm a male in a very what people think is a very female orientated sector um so my degree was in sports science and in that degree i, I we had a couple of modules that did brush across pregnancy nothing too much but it gave me an understanding of kind of what goes on anatomically and emotionally and physically to the mum but nothing that really spurred my attention and then after the degree I did a diploma in personal training and I went to work for a company called LA Fitness back in the UK and one of the trainers there he specializes business around pregnancy so pre and post and after doing the general thing that most PTs do you kind of do fat loss and a bit of injury rehab i kind of just looked at him and saw the fact that he had this thriving business in a very what most people thinks a very niche sector um and f- from that that kind of gave me an understanding of kind of what he did and how he did it and i kind of engineered it so it became his mentor no i was his mentor you were <laughs> however you say it <laughs> um and he kind of taught me everything that i needed to know from that point so we worked together for about another year and a half and then i moved to australia uh 13 12 years ago and i moved into the northern beaches of sydney and sydney was so far behind australian general was so far behind like there were so many gaps in the public sector a big it was just very frustrating because it would it was bigger bigger in england but non-existent in australia and i just saw a as a business potential just the the, the chances to build a business so from that point i just 
put all my attention, every study, every course, every bit of literature was all based on that. I marketed myself purely as a pre and postnatal expert. Didn't really take on any other clients. Didn't take on I didn't take on any fat loss clients, and then just kind of engineered over time just to be the go to person in that sector. And then I've just built on that over the last twelve years. Wow, wonderful! And you sort of have made it like a very popular gym in Sydney, and it's it's pretty well known, right? Yeah. So I was just a I was a P I was a PT for ten years, and I would just like like people that people that can afford PT are the rich, and um, it was great for ten years. I trained lots of rich people, lots of rich housewives, and their husbands were bankers and CEOs and it annoyed me that I couldn't get in front of more people, more mm-hmm. people that couldn't afford the help that I was offering. So probably around three years ago, we started, me and my business partner started talking about creating a space that just had everything under one roof. And that's how we created the company bump where we have like a low cost entry point for gym membership. So we can help a lot of people that will just do classes. And then we also have the personal training option for the people that want the slightly extra level of care. And then as well, we have two crash rooms, um, a physio on standpoint. We've got when we have regular talks and hosts, different sleep consultants and different specialists in the area. So yeah, over the last two years, and it's because it's such a point of difference, we've managed to reach full capacity uh, pre-COVID and post-COVID, which has been good. And now we're looking at just opening our second location next week. Wow, that's wonderful. Congratulations for that. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, it's good. It's good to work. So for, for the listeners to understand why exercising before pregnancy is so critical. Could we want to share what is what is the purpose of doing exercise during pregnancy? And also how far ahead when you're planning for your pregnancy should you start building your sort of strength so that you're able to have a successful pregnancy? Yeah. And sort of your labor is much easier than uh, someone yeah, who's yeah, not yeah. exercising. That's, uh, the truth is, in terms of programming and training, the training doesn't really change too much until around 16 weeks of pregnancy. So it's not the end of the world if people find us at that point. And truth is most women won't train in that first trimester just purely because they're feeling very fatigued. There's a huge hormone overload, which makes them feel nauseous. Training gets put right down to the the bottom of their priority lists. And then, so most of the mums won't come to 16 weeks anyway because that's the point where most everything's kind of settled down they're ready Um, and that's when the training itself will start to change the body will start to change um, and the program will start to change so all our classes that we run at bump are uh, all designed around the pregnancy journey so we know exactly every journey is the same whilst everyone thinks their pregnancy is unique and special which obviously is but every fundamentally the abdominal muscles will always separate at 16 weeks. Uh, the shoulders will become more kyphotic. Uh, the pelvis will start to um, tuck underneath the rest of your body because it's going to want to counteract the front loading that's occurring. So because we know the journey every pregnancy is going to go through, we then program design through the gym to help alleviate some of the issues. Like 70% of women will have lower back pain. And that's predominantly because they've got weak glutes and no supporting muscles through their core. So the load shifts the lower back. Now, by doing strength training in the right way, we do lots of deadlifts, hip thrusters, lunges, 
um, we can build the glutes, we can build the, a muscle called the transverse abdominis, which can then support the body and help alleviate these issues. So training should, one of the main reasons women will train is A, to alleviate any pain that might occur. The second one would be to stop separation from getting as bad as it might. So separation, um, without going into too much detail, will occur in pretty much every single pregnancy I've ever seen. And we want to minimize that as much as we can to allow recovery to happen a lot faster. So that's why the, the generic information that most people have heard is they don't, you don't plank during pregnancy. You shouldn't sit up during pregnancy. You shouldn't twist. And the main reason being is you're, you're effectively herniating that muscle and you're forcing the separation further apart. So we look at just counteracting that. So we eliminate all those exercises, but then on the flip side, then we use lots of rehab based movements to strengthen the transverse abdominis and all those inter uh, rotational muscles to support a midsection to stop the separation from getting over three fingers and then it means recovery is so much faster postnatally and then they can get back to where they used to be a lot faster so ultimately our goal is to get them in the same physical state they were in before pregnancy around the four to six month mark postnatally so i'll, I'll get into a little bit of detail prenatal so you mentioned exercises like squats, deadlifts, uh, using weights. So are there any limitations in terms of how much weight should a woman li lift? Is it similar to what she was doing pre-pregnancy or you have to take certain things into account? Yeah, so we say we would bring them down to about 80% of their previous like strength range mm -hmm. um, for big movement patterns like a squat or a deadlift or a press. Things like bicep curls and tricep extensions, they can stay at 100%, but the big compound movements, we're going to bring them down to 80%, and that's to alleviate a condition called IAP, which is intra-abdominal pressure. Okay. When you lift heavy, there's a lot of pressure going down onto the pelvic floor, and we're going to try and protect that pelvic floor as much as we can during pregnancy because there's just already an, a load onto the pelvic floor from just being pregnant. So 80% is our kind of guideline. And what muscles comprise the pelvic floor? Uh, the levator ani and the coccygeus would be the main two muscles that kind of support um, or are acting as your, the ones that we would deal with as personal trainers. There are other muscles, but that's more going into uh, your physio level of at uh, autonomy. I wanted to understand that what is the importance of strengthening? Uh, because I've read in a lot of places that pelvic floor muscles need to be strengthened and you need to take care of your pelvic floor. Uh, what, what does that mean in simple language so that everyone understands? By and large, so the pelvic floor supports all these internal organs. It's in, it supports it's the, like your first layer of your core. And as you go through pregnancy, the pelvic floor will sit, uh, sorry for the people that can't see me, but it will sit like a hammock. Okay. And as the mother goes further along into her pregnancy, there'll be more pressure applied to the hammock and the hammock starts to sag and it starts to weaken. Um, in very bad cases, it weakens so much that it could prolapse, which then obviously recovers a lot of rehabbing or if not surgery to, to fix. So we'll do a lot of pelvic floor work and the traditional ones that we'll use is kind of Kegel-based exercises to keep that muscle as strong as we can to help support uh, all the load that's bearing down on it. Um, and by having a stronger pelvic floor, then it also can help with labor. You'll have stronger muscles then to push bub out and you're limiting your chances of having any issues postnatally. Um, 
and it's very common for a lot of mums to have some form of incontinence postnatally because they've just lost the strength in their pelvic floor. And do you have any examples of simple pelvic floor exercises that someone can do at home? Yeah, the good thing about pelvic floor is you can do them anywhere. Um, they, they It consists of two types of muscle fiber. So there's the fast twitch and the slow twitch. Uh, the fast twitch contractions are very easy. Not many people would struggle with them. Uh, you're going to get your best awareness from a kneeling position. Now, the problem with a PT is we can never, there's no biofeedback. It's a muscle that is pure internal and you'll never be able to see it work. Right. Um, so ultimately, if you're not sure if you're engaging it right, you need to, in Australia, we'd see them, send them to a women's health physio and they'll be able to do an internal check or an ultrasound check to see if they're fully engaging it. But the easiest way we can teach the general public is imagine using the muscles that you use to stop yourself mid, uh, mid we, they're the muscles that you want to engage. Okay. Right. So we'd never say to do it multiple times if they're going to pass urine. Okay. You'd got get, it. You'd, I'd get my next time they're going to pass urine, stop halfway through the wee and then release. And effectively they're the pelvic floor muscles that control that movement. Right. Okay. And the yeah. fast, so, so that movement, so you're kind of drawing in your uh, vaginal and anal sphincter at the same time. You're holding the contraction for one second and then you're fully releasing. But the easiest way we can teach it to the general public is just doing it when you're passing urine and then that will get them aware of that's the muscles we're, we're referring to. So that's probably same for women as well as for men as well. Yes. Yeah. Both, both will be engaged in that. Perfect. But for males, we, the easiest way for an analogy to, for men is just imagine you're walking into ice cold water and you're drawing your testicles up towards your body. <laughs> Got it. Yeah. But, um, so yeah, so there's this fast switch contractions, which would be 20, uh, sets of one second contractions, which are pretty easy. And the harder contractions, uh, are the, the slow twitch where you're looking to hold a contraction for up to 10 seconds. And we try to get all our clients to do 10 reps of 10 seconds. And if you can do that, it's a good sign that your pelvic floor is in good, in a good state and a good strength level. If you can't quite hold the contraction for 10 seconds, then it shows that you've got a slight weakness there or the endurance in the muscles, just not where we need it to be. Okay. And these pelvic floor muscles should be done all throughout, even a week or two before pregnancy. These are we Personally, I get all my clients to do these pretty much daily. Daily. um from from 16 weeks onwards yeah five minutes a day as i said they can do it when they're i get all my clients to do it when they're brushing their teeth most people brush their teeth morning and night mm -hmm. uh so you just just get them into the habit of doing the pelvic floor exercises morning and night and uh even if they only do it five times a week it's better than the zero times a week they were doing it before so hopefully that should keep them nice and strong yeah, excellent. It's always good to make it part of your daily routine so that you don't miss it out. Miss it. Yes. The the, the issue is a lot of first time mums don't appreciate the importance of it. Uh, it's not a topic that's discussed, particularly no, like a lot of mums, they would have heard of issues, but they don't prolapse is not really a dining room topic over dinner. Um, so and a lot, especially if they're younger mums, they just don't think it's going to be a problem to them. And it's not, and these, sometimes these issues won't come about until later in life. So it's a, for, for a health coach is about expressing the importance of these things. These things are really genuinely important. It will improve the, the health and function of the, the, the female body. And there's another thing which I read in a couple of articles was that the psoas muscle or the hip flexor, a lot of time it gets uh, sore 
or it it gets uh, very tight during pregnancy is is that something that happens or or is it something specific to people who plank a lot or people who do a lot of isometric exercises that i i'd say a lot more of the issues come from the piriformis to be honest i think a lot the glutes end up tying up cuz as the center of gravity shifts their pelvis kind starts to shift and their glutes end up kind of tightening up as a byproduct so i would say most of our mobility work is spent more on the kind of glute meds and piriformis than the psoas um having said that when we do a lunge pattern we generally always do a rear lunge pattern rather than a forward lunge just to alleviate some of that uh, tightness through the front hip but most hip problems are coming from pubic synthesis but i'm not sure if you're going to ask me a question on that later but that's a real common issue that most mums do have what is that now that you mentioned that um so this this occurs in about 20% of mums and a lot of the time it, we we can't help this but we can stop it from getting worse and it's a byproduct of too much relaxing in the system relaxing is the hormone in the system that helps um the skeletal system to stretch for labor but it's in the system as soon as the mum falls pregnant and what happens is the pelvis uh, rotates and it doesn't not sit in its normal uh, position and as a byproduct of that it starts rubbing together which inflames the pubic the pubic bone at the front mm-hmm. and it's called pubic synthesis so every time the mum walks or step ups or just unilaterally loads the hips it flares up and causes pain and it's pretty common i'd say about 20% of mums will suffer from this and all you have to do in terms of the gym is you just keep the the hips as close together as possible you can still squat you can still deadlift you can still hip thrust but you take out lunges you take out step ups you take out anything that's going to load we advise mums to not go for long walks because it's just going to aggravate that plane of motion and that usually happens after this normally pre- it, it normally presents itself towards the end of the second trimester so i i would normally see it around 26 weeks almost 26 weeks okay and uh, so during the second trimester are there certain things which are absolutely no that you shouldn't do at all yeah like the the biggest ones you'd always see is the plank mm-hmm. would be a huge no no any form of crunches so a crunch pattern or a sit up plan they are real like ones that i would have advised to like move away from i would personally take out all jump based moving pants so all plyometrics okay to protect the pelvic floor and you take out we personally at the gym we take out all military style pressing so overhead pressing uh, from a standing position because you've lost your rex abdominis supporting your your body because you've lost your major front core muscle your body's not strong enough to support any overhead pressing from a standing position so we bring everyone down into a kneeling so a semi kneeling position or we do single arm pressing just to protect the load on the lower back but the truth is there's not people get really scared and anxious about training through pregnancy but there's not that many things you take out the skill of pregnancy training is the things we add the way we design the programs um building the muscles where we want to build the muscles and we'll we still train really hard in our club we've got mums that will still lift well they'll 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 push themselves on all the exercises it's not somewhere that people come and don't get fitter we'll always tell mums if they walk into our door we'll we'll get you stronger fitter and ready for labor than where you are now it doesn't need to be a downward trajectory we'll still be able to get people 
um, in a lot better condition than when they walk in. Okay. So a lot of women do yoga and there are certain inversion poses uh, like headstand or handstand in yoga and even yeah. without yoga. So given you said uh, overhead pressing is something that one should avoid, does that also mean that those inversions should also be avoided? Uh, we <laughs> Yes and no. It really depends on who you're speaking to. Personally, doing like a, a downward dog, for example, wouldn't be something that I'd be particularly scared of. Uh, there definitely are some experts that don't like the head to be lower than the rest of the body. Mm-hmm. So if they were going to do glute bridges, they wouldn't want to do a glute bridge from the floor. We, we here, uh, I've never seen anything come about that from my experience. I think they're still using a lot of old data and a lot of old precedences when they, they're doling out this advice. But if a mum was very scared or not sure, then you you can do these like you would you can just move away from them. But right. personally, I've I've never had an issue with those movements. Okay, As I wouldn't do a headstand, but, <laughs> <laughs> but I would I would be fine with a I would be fine with a down dog, and I probably wouldn't do a handstand. Yeah. Okay. Um, but I, I would be fine with a downward dog. Because I've seen some women on Instagram doing handstands while they are pregnant. But again, pre-pregnancy, they they rock handstand. Like they can do press handstand and they can do a lot of advanced things. So they are very comfortable with handstands. Uh, but whenever I've seen yeah. it, I'm like, whoa, that's that's scary. Yes. <laughs> a handstand. And, and they, I've seen some women doing even... Uh, during their third tri- trimester when when it's very apparent that they are pregnant and you know their belly is swollen and they are doing a handstand yeah. and i'm like how do you how do you manage having that right center of gravity with with that with that baby in your belly yeah like there's certain disciplines like what you said is completely true if people are very conditioned to a sport uh, there's definitely a lot less stress on the body when they're performing the movement but there's still things that i would always advise people to not do like um horse ride like they can be an amazing horse rider before they fell pregnant but one fall could like it's unlikely but it could form in a miscarriage same as the people that are doing the handstands is it worth the risk of doing that is does the benefit outweigh the risk and in my opinion no so i would only choose to perform an exercise if there's an actual purpose behind it is there a real goal to be made from doing handstands do you really need that much shoulder stability at this stage in pregnancy? No, let's just do some cable work and build the shoulders up that way. Right. Um, so it's just bringing a bit more sensibility, but do I think the woman will miscarriage because of it? Not really. No, but I just think there's better ways to perform the same exercise. Okay. Got it. And uh, I'm assuming because you're allowed to do lunges and squats, climbing stairs is not an issue, right? And, yeah. If they're presenting with no pelvic pain, I'm happy for mums to do that right up to, to labor. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. All right. And uh, so we talked about the second trimester. For the third trimester, I know all these things that you mentioned, not doing planks, not doing crunches, no jumping, no horse riding. Are there additional things that uh, a woman should avoid uh, during the third trimester? To be honest, there's nothing in the third trimester that really changes from the second trimester. The only thing that would really change is the, the mum's ability to recover. So you, you would just look at allowing a longer recovery time. There's a lot more pressure in the diaphragm. Breathing becomes a little bit more of a challenge. Um, so from about 34, 35 weeks in pregnancy, you would see mums 
dramatically change their intensity levels and just allowing them to do that, allowing them, allowing their body to have a chance to recover. Their heart rate will take a little longer to come down. But in terms of exercise selection, there's nothing I would take out of the, of the second that I wouldn't take out of the third. Yeah. Right. Okay. And are there certain exercises that you would add uh, specifically for the, for the later period, maybe like three or four weeks before delivery? Yeah, the um, so it's going to be hard for me to explain over the over Zoom, but from 28 weeks onwards, uh, we give all our clients uh, transverse abdominus exercises. So the TVA attaches to the side of the body and we just give them these exercises on a daily basis to keep that muscle as strong as possible. The as transverse the abdominus is the muscle which is uh, on your side, the side of your yeah. abs. Yes, perfect. Side of the abs, and then it's tach- it attaches around with fascia, so it kind of ra- acts as like a corset. Um, we want to keep that muscle as strong and as active as possible uh, to support the body and to stop the separation getting as bad as it might. So we do a lot of TVA work. So basically, it's tummy vacuuming. So the main function of the TVA is to draw the belly button in towards the spine. So the, the best exercise by far Mm -hmm. is we get every single client doing this. We get them on all fours, allowing their tummy to completely relax towards the floor. And we call it a cat-cow. It's very similar to a yoga cat-cow, but the difference being is we don't move the shoulders. The only movement is them drawing their belly button up towards their spine. They'll move four to five centimeters Mm -hmm. and then pausing, work on that contraction, and then fully releasing. Because what happens is... What happens in general, as, as you'd know, like the human body will always just recruit the major muscles to perform a movement. So if someone wasn't planking or sorry, wasn't pregnant and they planked, the body just recruits the big muscles to perform the movement and littler muscles get bypassed. So during pregnancy, the TVA does get bypassed a lot. And what happens is the mum is growing every single week. She's getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. So what used to be an automatic response to engage the muscles starts stopping. So she'll no longer engage through her core because it's are technically just changing every single week. So that motor neuron control is being broken down. Now we want to keep that motor neuron control as strong as we can. So by daily exercise on that one muscle, we can keep that activation strong and we'll keep her TVA nice and strong. Okay. If that makes sense. Did I lose you? Yep, it does. It does. It does. <laughs> it, it's just that if I think of doing that exercise myself <laughs> as a man, I can understand that it's going to use recruit different muscles, but it makes sense when you explain that that once you're pregnant, a lot of those muscles are not there. So yeah. it automatically recruits the other muscles that it's are a very available. simple. So you were saying something. Yeah. And it, and what you'll find is the, the, the reason we the, the the reason we wait so long into pregnancy, if I told you to do 10 reps of these, you would you would find them very easy. But by 28 weeks in pregnancy, there's there's probably four, maybe five kilos of load now just sitting on your abdomen. So just drawing that up towards your belly button will really challenge the mum and we'll get her to do that the whole way through that third trimester. Mm-hmm. And ideally we get her to do that in that first six weeks of recovery. Now those first six weeks of recovery are paramount because the body is doing everything it can to heal as fast as is possible. The uterus will shrink back to its original size in six weeks. And we want to do a little bit of rehab on a daily basis to help that recovery and help your that healing process and to bring back that separation as fast as we can. So we do those that same exercise for the first six weeks postnatally. 
if they can, if they can stay awake longer enough. <laughs> right. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So after delivery, how soon can someone uh, start exercising again or get into some general movement like walking, maybe climbing up and down the stairs, things like that, which, which are of daily routine? Yeah. Uh, the big one, it will be depending on the delivery, obviously. So all going well and there's a nice natural delivery. We would be like recommending our clients do rehab based exercises for the first zero to two weeks. Just all the internal core work, your pelvic floor work, your transverse abdominus work. And then after two weeks, we'd be encouraging them then to kind of doing a little bit more outdoor stuff. So a 30 minute walk a day, get out of the pram and doing some light based um, walking and then around the six week mark we would bring them back to doing some resistance based training if it's a caesar the, the it does take a little bit longer they're probably going to be a bit immobile for those first two weeks due to the nature of the the surgery it, internally that can take up to around eight to ten weeks to heal so you're probably not getting back into resistance training until around the 10 to 12 week mark okay and during that seven eight week period when you're recovering are there certain simpler exercises that they should be doing they will just be doing the same internal core work so the same cat cows and the same uh, cat cows and uh, the kegel just to get nice and strong but realistically that that they cut through three layers of tissue for a cesarean so the body just it's a it's a big surgery the body does take a lot long time to heal especially when the mum generally will be sleep deprived nutrition deprived breastfeeding it's it's quite a lot going on for her system to deal with right and things like walking is is also uh, something that one should limit after a c-section right uh they they want you to get mobile as fast as possible so even if you have a seat if you have a caesar in the morning they'll try and get you walking by the evening to stop uh, the body just from seizing up to completely but the walk should be they'll want you to walk daily, but it'll be very minimal. Like you'll be, they'll be shuffling. And my wife had two Caesars. And um, so I got to see firsthand her recovery. Uh, and it's, it's a painful, it's a painful recovery. Um, but you've just got to listen to your body. Right. Okay. Is there any relationship between exercise and probability of having a natural delivery versus a C-section? Like there's, having- have you yeah, seen there is data. Yeah, there's um, there's data from it. There's a there's a guy called James Clapp, who does a lot of uh, studies over in America. So he's he's someone that I've studied a lot, and it, he kind of goes into more how exercise can help reduce labor time, and it can alleviate pain. And he get the studies kind of show that mums can recover a lot faster. In terms of proving that exercise decreases your chances of Caesar, I, I, there isn't really any studies that kind of prove that. And even if we just looked at a kind of snapshot of all our members, despite them, I know them being fit and strong and, and everything, some will still just ultimately not dilate for whatever reason or their head circumference is too big or the baby will be breached. So we, we never guarantee anything. We can't guarantee you being fit and healthy will mean you're going to have a great labor. The truth is all we can guarantee is it, it will help, but we'll, we can't, we can't say for any certainty what's going to happen on the day. Okay. Got it. Yeah. All right. Do you also come across women who come to you for training uh, post-pregnancy 
who did not do much in terms of ex- exercise and physical training prenatal so yep for such cases how does the process work like how do you get them back to physical regime postnatal so yeah we obviously get a lot of members here that will join postnatally that did nothing for whatever reason uh not for us to say anything but they were still always treated the same but the recovery just takes so much longer the activation of things so we'll still treat every member the same so we're going to rebuild them from the inside out once their pelvic floor and once their transverse abdominus is back to where it used to be and they've got no separation then we can start integrating some kind of more challenging training but initially the first four to six weeks will always be internal core work no matter where they've come from pre Um, and what we'll generally find is if they've trained the whole way through pregnancy by the time they get to 12 weeks 16 weeks postnatal they're almost back to where they were pre-baby where the mums that would join us and did nothing through pregnancy will take us closer to nine to 12 months to get them back and that's purely because the muscles have just degenerated so much the awareness of being able to actually activate the muscle a lot of mums will just feel a big disconnect between their core they can't physically engage it and because they did no rehab and no there was no process in place to keep that muscle strong it just takes us a lot longer to get that muscle firing and even then once we get it firing keeping it engaged for any length of time is a real struggle so you'd see a mum engage it and then just not be able to actually there's just no endurance in the muscle right um, so it's very low intensity but everyone kit yeah so we're just going to rebuild them but we've got two sides of the room in our gym we've got one half that's a gym so where they'll do strength training and cardiovascular training and the other half is more yoga pilates and bar so when they all come back we generally push them into the more the pilates style of exercise so they're really just focusing the most of their sessions on internal core work and activation after four to six weeks, then we'll start pulling them across and bringing back into more of a strength-based, resistance-based training. Okay. And that's common across uh, women, irrespective of whether they were doing a lot of exercise before pregnancy or not. It, it, the, the main difference is it's just it, it's just going to take us a it's lot a time. longer to get them back into the strength training. Yeah, it's a time, it's a time factor. But everyone everyone can be helped. The big thing for us is if someone has a bad abdominal separation, they only have 12 months to get that back together. Mm-hmm. So that's why that is a big focus for us. If they don't, if those abdominal muscles don't get back together, then they'll be left with a separation in their rectus abdominis for their entire life. The only thing that can cure that then is surgery. So we focus most of our attention on doing all that internal core work to bring that separation back as fast as we can. And then once that's back together, then we can get them back training the same way they used to before they fell pregnant. Okay. And how does one figure out if they have that abdominal separation that you're talking about? The easiest way would be just to go online to do a self-test, but okay. the, the, you would be lying, they, we get them to lie on their back, place their fingers on their abdomen and come up into a crunch. Uh, and now anyone with separation, their fingers will physically fall through a gap in their tummy and depending on how big that separation is is how many fingers they'll be able to fit through so one two three would be fairly normal when you get into the four finger and five finger separation that's when you're gonna uh, there's gonna be a lot more intervention that will have to take place to, to help them recover and that gap is a certain point like you have to find that it will always be widest where your belly button is 
So you start from your belly button, you'd push some, place some pressure downwards, and then you can, you can walk your fingers up towards your rib cage. But what will happen is separation is always like a diamond and you'll be widest at your umbilicus. And then it will knit like it will start getting closer to closer together. And during when you recover postnatally, the easiest analogy we use is, is we're trying to zip someone back together. So once this starts gluing back together, everything will start to glue back together. The collagen in the muscle will start to reset and then they'll get full function back of their abdomen. And that's our goal to do that as fast as possible. Right. And what's the technical term for that in, in case someone wants to check it out online? Uh, diastasis recti. Diastasis. D I A S T A T I S. Diastasis, then recti, R E C T I. Okay. <laughs> but abdominal, if you wrote abdominal separation, that, that would get every answer you would need to. Okay. You should be able to. Find yeah. That. Very common. It happens in every single pregnancy. I've never seen it not. But the thing is, in Australia, and I, I really don't know what like, the Indian uh, healthcare system's like, it's something that's not talked about here. When p- someone falls pregnant in Australia, you have the obstetricians that will deal with the health of the, the baby. You'll have the midwife, sorry, the, the mother, uh, as in just making sure the baby and the pl- heart rate and the blood pressures are fine. The midwives are there to make sure that they can breastfeed, they can swaddle, they can keep the baby alive. But the actual mother's body itself is something that's not really discussed. No one talks about abdominal separation. No one talks about pelvic floor. So that was the gap in the market that we always felt needed to be filled because mums weren't taught how to rebuild their body, how to get themselves back to where they need to be. From no fault from anyone, it's not the midwife's fault. It's not the obstetrician's fault. It's just there is just that gap. It's a separate expertise altogether. Yeah, yeah. So are there certain supplements also that you recommend women uh, post-pregnancy specifically for recovery? To be honest, is, nutrition is something that we don't really go into. Um, every mum over here would be on some prenatal vitamin just to make sure they're getting all their folate levels and vitamin D, vitamin C and all the things through through them. Uh, but postnatally, rest is the only thing they can really do. The, the advice we would give all our members is to kind of have six weeks worth of pre preloaded food, almost ready to go. A lot of food will be just eaten when and if they can. Getting used to a baby will have a three hour cycle between sleeping and feeding. So every three hours that baby needs to be fed. So that's eight times a day, which means a mum will never really get longer periods of sleep than three hour increments. So we know the first six weeks are going to be pretty brutal on, on the female. So having ready and made nutritious food will just help that recovery as much as possible. And then getting as much rest in those time frames is important, but it's, it's, it's nigh on impossible if it's just you and your partner, but that's why it's really nice to have a family to help raise your kids. Yeah, <laughs> basically. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And yeah. I think in India, it's it's a, it's much easier because there's a lot of support. Uh, usually, uh, women's mom will stay with her and and help her out. Yes. So that should help. Uh, it's a ma- that, that has a but- massive effect for yeah postpartum depression that they've got some family there to help and show them what to do and hold the crying baby or swaddle the crying baby or yeah it's that which you don't have as much of in sydney we have a lot of expats with no no help readily available okay cool so there were certain questions which i had asked around some of the women that i know who are currently pregnant 
and so i'll read them out and some of them might be technical which may not be your scope of work uh, so you can let me know but i'll talk about them anyway so one of them is so are there certain guidelines around when to start working out after pregnancy uh, things to avoid or look when trying to get back i think you've answered part of it but is there anything that you would like to add other than like just yeah obviously the type of delivery is the the, the big one on when they want to recover uh, a lot of mums want to get back into running really fast i would always just hold fire on that one because that until the pelvic floor is fully supported and all the relaxing it takes around 3 months to 6 months for the relaxing to be completely eradicated from the body so all the joint structures aren't quite back to where they were so for all the runners that really are desperate to get back into running i would always say i would definitely be giving it to the 6th month mark before i went back into that style of exercise um mm-hmm. but i'm always 6 months 6 okay. months but i'm a big advocate of yeah you're utilizing strength training and activation training to get someone back a lot faster and then just and even if they've got sorry so you and you, uh, as you mentioned earlier that strength training is something that you have you should start doing 8 to 10 weeks after pregnancy in case it's a normal delivery right yes Yeah yeah so they can get back into doing your your squats your presses your gym stuff at 6 weeks if it's natural delivery and allow the body to do at least 3 months of rehab before they go back into their sport so if they do love to play touch rugby or football or something just a, just do some gym work before they go back into their old style of exercise okay makes sense next one is so in cases where epidural is injected in spines does that change what kind of training they can start with or graduate to and should there be any long term considerations no uh one in 10000 epidurals will have issues on the day where some side of the body we numb and other side won't be but realistically that whole thing will be fine within 24 hours there should be no lasting effects of an epidural okay and there are no training implications at all no okay no <laughs> so this one is more to do with i think a combination of nutrition and physical training so it says if diet is different for breastfeeding mothers in some cultures uh, does that impact the ability to get back into training and by diet it means that you know some cultures mother don't eat regular food for 40 50 days like they'll not have rice they'll not have beans uh, they'll not have lentils or certain you know vegetables that uh, produce gas okay does that have any impact on training i've not come across any of those diets what i can say in terms of diet and in my experience if if a mother's goal is to lose weight breastfeeding is very counterproductive for losing weight because the body is designed at that point to store weight So I generally find that most mums won't lose weight until they stop breastfeeding. Um but I would always put the health of the baby and breastfeeding is way more important than the mothers want to lose weight. But I'll explain to them that most of your weight will be stored on your triceps. So a lot of mums will store weight on the backs of their arms and their inner thighs as their estrogen levels are a lot higher during this stage and the body's just storing that weight and then when a mum starts to wean off maybe So what fall- what levels are higher? Uh, estrogen and progesterone so just basically the the the, the internal hormones. hormones are just storing fat getting the body ready to produce milk and then not until the baby starts to wean off 
will those hormone levels start to settle down more? And then the mum might find that she finds losing weight a little bit easier. Where I think it's a very common myth that mums will lose weight when they breastfeed. Yes, baby might be consuming 500 calories from the mother, but the mother will generally eat those extra calories to compensate. And the body is not really in a fat burning zone at that stage. Uh, exercise should never really affect your breast milk production unless you're like an ultra marathon runner. Just training generally five times a week will never affect that, but nutrition definitely will. So if the mother is on a low calorie diet, there's been there's more than enough studies to prove that the mum then might not be able to produce enough breast milk, which then will have negative effects. So we would never put a mum on a diet during pregnancy. We would always keep them, like you'd always want to be on a minimum 1800 calories a day just to make sure that you're producing enough breast milk. Right. I guess if, if it's all about calories, then the kind of food that you are eating or not eating shouldn't matter as long as you are eating enough. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. If you were taking out foods and your calories are dropping to a thousand over a period of time, your breath, your body would not be able to produce enough breast milk and then you would have issues feeding the baby. Okay. Perfect. I guess we've discussed a lot of things and it's been quite informative. Uh, so thank you for that. Where can people find you if they want to get in touch with you or if they want to get to your gym? <laughs> um, well, we are just a little lonely gym in a place called DIY in Sydney, uh, but our gym is called Bump Health. So, or it's called Bump, but our website is www.bumphealth.com.au. And that will just give people an idea of kind of what we do and how we do it. Uh, but I don't really market myself much at the moment. I've just been more of a businessman than a personal self-promoter. So I haven't really pushed my own agenda out too much. That will happen in a few years when I'm, I'm uh, rich <laughs> enough to become famous. <laughs> <laughs> and do you also provide online consultations now that we've got COVID? We did for 14 weeks of COVID, but the truth is the face-to-face -face gym takes up so much of our time. And our goal is to franchise the bump model across Australia. So our complete focus is that face-to-face -to -face touch point and then having one of these gyms all across, across Australia to begin with, and then we'll see where it goes. Okay, perfect. <laughs> Thank you so much. No worries. Really appreciate you taking time out and creating awareness and uh, also giving me a lot of knowledge about pre-postnatal uh, exercise and the things that women should know. So really appreciate uh, you spending time with me. Thank you. No problem. Yeah. And no, hopefully I'll give people a bit more confidence. I think there's a lot of stigma around definitely in certain cultures that women should do nothing during pregnancy. And it's a, it's an old, all that data is based on old science, old wife's tales and breaking that is, it's just not women should like what they, it's not only that they, it's safe to train. They really should train. It's going to be better for them. It's going to be better for their baby. It's going to be better for their recovery. So yeah. The more people that know that and have the confidence to do it um, is only a good thing. All right. That's an excellent closing remark. Thank you so much. Guys, this was amazing. I hope this conversation changed your perspective regarding exercise during pregnancy. This is the last episode of the year, so I wish you all a happy new year. If you're looking for a health coach, someone who can help you integrate fitness and nutrition into your lifestyle, please head to my website, abhimanyubhargav.com and check out one-on-one -on -one online coaching page. Or just feel free to message me on Instagram. The links are provided in show notes. 
I hope you learned something new today and speaking of learnings be sure to subscribe to this podcast and I'll see you in next episode until next time my friends have a wonderful day and be awesome